My name is George Durham. I'm a retired pastor and glad to be with you today. Scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14 from the NIV version. Would you stand please in honor of the reading of God's Word? Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some servants and said, Tell those who've been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf, cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and even killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed the man that was there that was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. May we pray, O oh Lord God, hide me behind the cross, that everyone may see you and your spirit here, and that it may speak the truth to us, disturb us out of our complacency, and move us to be your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I teased Bill just a little bit when he asked me to preach today, because this parable for today that was scheduled is one of the most difficult of all the parables. And I struggle with it. I wrestle with it for weeks, trying to make sense of it. But after all, as Bill said, uh, every parable is supposed to punch us and challenge us and disturb us. Now, as an allegory, most commentators have suggested that the king represents God and the son, Jesus. The servants killed represent the prophets who were so often rejected and mistreated and killed. And the fire and destruction of the city represents Jerusalem being burned and destroyed in 69 A.D. because they had rejected uh, Jesus as the Messiah. I wrestled several weeks looking at the parable in this traditional way. But finally I remembered an article by 
J. Ellsworth Callis of Asbury Seminary called How to Be Exclusively Inclusive. Now that seems impossible, doesn't it? But Jesus led in such a perfectly balanced life. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. And Jesus declared, I am the door. But in the same passage, Jesus says, I have other sheep that you do not know of. Jesus was always inclusive. He was criticized for eating with sinners and reaching out to adulterers and lepers and those who had been forgotten. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, did the same. He was not invited to speak in the steeple church. Instead, he went out and he preached in the highways and byways, in the fields and the meadows where the men mining coal had come up with dark faces and hands, and he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. For wasn't it John Wesley who said, The world is my parish. The world is my parish. So our dilemma is this. Can we practice both? Inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity and exclusivity? Remember that phrase a few years ago? We are the United Methodist Church. We are the people of open hearts, open minds, open doors. This parable punches our assumptions. And Ellsworth Callis not only wrote that article, but wrote uh, two different books on, that he called Parables from the Backside. So I'm not going to preach an expository sermon, verse by verse. Not really a literal sermon, but instead looking at the fact that I believe these are allegories, but that the uh, king represented here is not the God that I serve, but it is an example for us. For Jesus, first of all, was inclusive in his invitation. The gates were wide open. Revelation 22:17 said, Whosoever will may come, and Jesus practiced that. He reached out to all who would listen. Matthew 11 says, Come to me all ye that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Salvation is not based on ethnicity education, income, popularity, personality type, athletic ability, or attractiveness. Thank God it's not based on my athletic ability. People always fought over me when teams were being chosen. You take George. No, you take George. But God chose me. 
all the people, good and bad. Matthew 22, verse 8. Jesus is inclusive. No, we need to take off our blinders and realize that every person that we meet is a potential child of God. That no barrier should be put in the way of Jesus and His inclusive love. But Jesus is also exclusive in how we must enter salvation through the gate, through the door that He provides. Matthew 7 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. Jesus is exclusive. Jesus is inclusive. And through my life as a pastor, I've veered back and forth uh, trying to balance these two. Sometimes pressing too hard on the inclusive and other times pressing too much toward the extreme of being exclusive. Somehow, through God's help, we must somehow believe and practice both. But not only is Jesus inclusive and exclusive, the kingdom of God is a joyful feast. We see that in this parable. The wedding feast is prepared. Come and enjoy. When John Wesley was asked, who is the Methodist? He said, God is the joy of our heart, the desire of our soul. He is therefore happy in God, yea, always happy. In the Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of our lives as people? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So remove the pickled face <laughs> and heart and smile and the joyful feast of being a child of God. For the psalmist says, Rejoice in God, for in His presence there is fullness of joy. Philippians 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And fourth, Jesus provides the forgiveness that we need to qualify for this feast. Jesus provides the wedding clothes that we need. What kind of clothes are we talking about? To be clothed in Christ. To be in Christ and to have Christ in us. To be clothed in Him. Howard Thurman, that great preacher, said that man that went in without the wedding clothes that had been provided by the king pretended that he was present and accounted for, but he was absent. He had all kinds of excuses. He was absent. Brent Richardson says these excuses aren't enough. You've heard people. They say, well, <clears throat> I can be a good person without Christ. 
Don't you think I'm a good person? I can almost be a Christian. At least be, pretend to be one on Sunday. I don't have to repent. After all, I'm so much better than those people over there. I can have hope without holiness. Haven't we grown beyond holiness? Dr. W.A. Criswell, that great preacher of First Baptist Dallas, put it this way. It was the strangest thing when the king came, when the king came in to see the guest. There he saw the man who said nothing. In effect, this man was saying, I will not put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand in my own ability, in my own good works. But Romans 13 says, commands us, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3 verse 9, we must be found in Him, not having a righteousness of our own, but that which is through the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. John Wesley knew about it. He was both inclusive and exclusive. You are invited to the kingdom party. Everything's been prepared. Here is the widest of doors. Everyone is welcome. But also, John Wesley would say, you're going to need to repent. You're going to need to strive for holiness. You're going to need to meet in class meetings and small groups where others will challenge you to be accountable to the demands of the gospel. But then the one who was found without clothing, he was cast into the darkness. What about you and me? Will you choose to be clothed in Christ? Not in your own personality, not in your goodness, but in Him? Someone has defined hell as to be separated from God forever. I love the uh, slide that comes up next picturing Jesus in Revelation 3 and verse 20. Will you open the door to Christ as Lord? Not just uh, to get a, a line in the obituary saying, yeah, um, he was a United Methodist but no life to show it. But Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Which will you choose? You say, oh, well, I've already chosen. I chose a long time ago. But you know that hymn, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Yes, we've chosen, most of us here. 
but it's so easy to get distracted to forget that our Father is looking, our Heavenly Father, and that every day is a day to serve Him. There are three ways that people can choose their response to God's invitation. Which will you choose to be? First of all, we see Matthew 22, verse 1 through 5, those who are invited but are not willing to come. They got too much other stuff to do. They're too busy. They're too important. They're too God. Too, they're too good to need God. God invites everyone and anyone to come. But many people aren't willing to come. If it means admitting that we are wrong in any way. They won't make it into the kingdom, not because God didn't invite them, but because they refused His invitation. Secondly, there are those who want to come, but they don't want to change. Yeah, I'll come. I'll sit on the pew, but don't you dare step on my toes. <laughs> don't you dare tell me to change. I'm comfortable with the way I am. Didn't we sing it in Billy Graham Crusades? Just as I am? Just as I am? Uh, yeah, but God doesn't want you to stay that way. <laughs> Many people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to change their hearts. They want to keep living the way they want to, and they don't want to live to honor God. favorite theme song of most of us is I did it my way I did it my way God's way seems strange different and difficult I just did it my way and third there are those willing to come and are willing to change two things were required to participate in the wedding feast. They had to accept the invitation. And secondly, they had to accept and wear the wedding garment provided by the king. When we stand before God, He's not going to look at us for our good looks or our personality or our education, our economic status. But we must be clothed in Christ that he might not see our sin, but our forgiven life. Which will you choose to be? Which will you choose to be? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.